0: So this is the second week of this message called The Gift of Pastors. If you weren't here with us last week, I ask you to go back and, and listen to the message, review it. Um, as I said last week, I'm going to say it again this week, in 34 years of ministry, I've never spoken a message on the gift of the pastor. And so it was with fear and trepidation, a holy fear, reverence, and I went to the Lord and said, I'm not your guy. Don't do this. He said, yes, you are. It's not for you. It's for the church. But Lord, it's self-serving. No, it's serving me and it's serving my body. And, and so there's, and, and it's from that perspective that I'm coming. There are a lot of churches today, local churches, that don't really understand the gift of the pastor. And so I, I know I told you to, to turn to Jeremiah chapter 3. Um, but you just hang your hang on to your place right there. I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter four, and I'm going to read the the scripture from last week. It says that he gave. He gave. Ephesians 4, in verse 9, it says, What does he ascended mean to accept that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. This is talking about Jesus coming down to the earth, fulfilling his ministry, and then going to heaven. And then in verse 11, it says, So Christ himself... Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers as a gift, as a gift in order to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I think we have some maturing to do. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm so glad that Jesus gave gifts to the church And so as as with any physical gift sometimes we take that gift for granted and we are we don't really don't understand the, the full uh, importance of the gift and so this is another part of the perspective of these messages The church, it's also called the flock of God. It's also called God's heritage. These are scriptural terms referring to the body of Christ, the the church of God. In Ephesians five, it says Jesus is the head of the church. He's the chief shepherd, and the church rightly belongs to Christ. I don't know why we say, you know, uh, it's my church. It's my church. That church, you go to this person's church and that person's church and we call the church by the name of the pastor or the street that it's on or the city that it's in. But it's Jesus' church. Everybody say, it's Jesus' church. You belong to him. We belong to him. We're part of the church, but then we come together as a local church on a mission. We have a purpose. God has us here Not just taking up time and space, but here on a mission to do something. To transform this community that we're living in by his power, by his love, by his grace, by his word, by his mercy. And the church rightly belongs to Jesus because he's the authority over the church. Last week we talked about how how do you receive a gift? Two key Important things to remember in receiving a gift: the posture and the attitude. The posture is with open hands. If somebody's going to give you a gift and it's valuable, you you receive it. You're not going to push back the gift. I hope you don't push back the gift that Jesus has given you. The five, we say five-fold ministry. It's the ministry gifts in order to build up the body to go do the work of the ministry. And then we talked about uh, being grateful, having a grateful heart, acknowledging God as the giver. When you acknowledge the giver, it, it has that attitude of gratitude that you receive the fullness of that gift. You can think of your, your child. Um making something out of something that was thrown away or something that they found in the yard, right? Your children like There's a period of time when your children are growing up that they see how powerful a gift and giving that gift is. And they come to you as their parent because they love you and you love them and they want to connect with you and express their love to toward you. And they give you something that you think What is that? Right? But if we receive the gift with the same attitude that it was given in, with the same faith that it was given in, we receive the full benefits of the gift. Can you see that? God thought that it was so important that he gave the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher to the church for the purpose of edifying, building up the church so that we could do something. We're not just hanging out until Jesus comes, right? We're not just praying, Jesus, save us from this wicked and perverse world. I'm not saying anything that the scripture doesn't already say, right? We understand the world that we're living in. But Jesus said an important thing when he prayed to the Father. Don't take them out of this world because we're need- needed in this world, but protect them from the evil in this world part of the spiritual job of the pastor to protect you from the evil in the world we're going to get into that in a minute but we receive the gift everybody say i receive the gift that god gave to his church you need a local pastor the more you appreciate the gift the more it increases in value The more you appreciate the gift, the more it increases in value. This works in a a local church, but there's also, guys, it works in your marriage. If you believe, like I said last week, that God gave me a good thing, a great thing in my wife, and the more I appreciate her, the more she increases in value, same thing with your children. If you believe that God gave them to you and they're a gift from God, your children are a gift from God, Everybody say, my children are a gift from God. (laughs) The more you appreciate them, the more they increase in value. Is that true? They came from God. We're going to be responsible to God for how we treated our children. That's heavy, but it's true. Same thing in a local church. You're going to be responsible for God, how you treated your pastor. I believe I've, I've got scripture for it, but we have to appreciate what God appreciates. The more that we do, the more value, the more valuable it becomes to us, and the more it works in our life. So today, there's there's two things, two major points that I want to point out, in, uh, uh, about the the function of the pastor in the church. Number one is uh, the responsibility of the pastor to feed. The second point is to lead. So we feed and we lead. Jeremiah 3.15, the King James Version says this. It's to reiterate or to confirm that God gave gifts to the body, to the church. He said in Jeremiah, and I will give you pastors are shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Again, this is God's gift to the church. What is a pastor supposed to feed you with? Knowledge and understanding. Not, not so much knowledge and understanding of the world, but knowledge and understanding of the word. Now we take the word and we dissect what's happening in the world in light of God's Word. But we have to know the Word to be able to feed the Word to, so that the body grows and is built up to do the work of the ministry. And so feeding is, is one of the primary responsibilities of the pastor in the church. Jesus said something very interesting to Peter. In John chapter 21, as Jesus was ascending to heaven, he had hung on a cross, been buried in a tomb, and he was coming. uh, He was in his ascension to heaven, but he stopped off on the earth and visited with his disciples. And he appeared to his disciples, and they had breakfast together. And John chapter 21, verse 15, it says, when they had finished breakfast, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter, quick, quick with the answer, always quick on the draw, quick. To jump out the boat, <laughs> said very quickly, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I know there's been many sermons on the word, the Greek word love, which love did Jesus use and which word was he saying? And there's backgrounds here and books written on this very encounter with Jesus and Peter. But Jesus gave him instruction because of the love that Peter declared for Jesus. If you love me, feed my lambs. Jesus was telling Peter to feed. Peter's obedience was to be based on his love for Jesus and not his love for the sheep. Pastor Sheila and I love you Because we love Jesus. And we want to obey him. We are feeding you out of our obedience to him. This is deep. It's not out of obligation. Jesus didn't love me because he was obligated to love me. We've been talking about love this morning, right? The love of God was purposeful. The love of God goes beyond our comprehension. That's why it's going to take for all of eternity to understand and comprehend the, the depth, the length, the height, the breadth of the love of God. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. When you come in contact with that love, that's why Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, it's your love for me that causes you or should cause you to obey what I'm telling you to do by feeding the sheep. Because I think he was saying between the lines, there's going to be a day where you probably won't love the sheep as much as you love me, but do what you do because of me and not because of the sheep. You guys, you with me? You tracking with me? It's the love of God that motivated Jesus, the compassion of the Lord, that pushed Jesus, moved Jesus. He was moved with compassion, compelled Jesus, pulled Jesus toward the crowd after he had ministered for hours and hours and hours and he saw them as a sheep without a shepherd and he moved with compassion to heal their sick. It's the same love that God has for us that moves through us toward you that causes us To dig deep so that we can feed you. And so Jesus asked him again. He wanted Peter to really get the responsibility of what it means to shepherd. And feed the sheep. And tend the sheep. In John 21, 16. He asked him. He said to him a second time. Simon, son of John. Do you love me? It wasn't that Jesus was hard of hearing. He was making a point. He asked him three times. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Tend my sheep. Tend. The English word translated there from the English Standard Version, tend, is the Greek word meaning to shepherd, meaning to guide or lead by the hand. Also meaning to guard. So there's the idea of protection. There's protection in a local church. There's protection in a local church. You need protection. I need protection. I need someone watching out over my spiritual well-being. We live in a society, I think, that, that, that we have it's so motivated by convenience and, and, and so full of offense that people get offended because something's said and they leave with hurt hurt feelings and come out from under the protection of a local church and end up in a real mess i've seen it we've seen it over 30 33 34 years and it's it it it, it, it grieves the heart of god For people to walk out from under this God-ordained covering. You need a covering. You need someone that is going to pray with you, stand with you, walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Right? Read Psalm 23 and how the shepherd leads us. And this is part of the tending. Not just feeding, but tending to the sheep. Again, Jesus is making the connection of pastoring because of our love as pastors for Him. If we would do it for Him, will we do it for you? Absolutely, yes. Through the years, we've had people uh, that have, have have helped us in ministry, and they come, you know, they come close and they see how we're operating. They're like, "I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you put up with." Is is this true? I don't know how you put up with this and this and this. And we go back to the scripture that I used last week. Paul knew it was only because of the grace of God that he was who he was. And it was only by God's grace that he could do what God called him to do. And it's only because of that grace that we feed and that we tend and that we guide and lead and Guard. And so, what do we feed? What do we feed? Not just our opinion. 2 Timothy 4 2 says this We feed the truth, we feed the word. Paul is talking to Timothy and telling him what to do as far as the ministry. Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul had been down the road a little bit. And it was Paul's responsibility to bring up Timothy. That's called discipleship. Another area that we really lack in the local church today. But walking together in ministry, here's what Paul, through the Holy Spirit, told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. He said, This is the amplified version Herald and preach the word, keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at hand, and ready. Whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. Whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Whether it is welcome or unwelcome. You as preacher of the word are to show people in what way their lives are wrong. Well, I want to stop right there and say that's a tough one. When you know that you have to tell somebody what they're doing is wrong. Because you, you know that's, that, that is the ultimate test of submission and authority. When you tell somebody that what they're doing is against God's word and you know that they have that opportunity to shut you down, shut you off, turn around and walk away. Are you going to obey God? Are you going to say things that make people feel good? It's a big question. Maybe, maybe just a second. Here, I'll take my shoes off. You could stand in my shoes and turn around and look this way and see if you could do that. Sometimes I tell the Lord, I, I, that's not what I signed up for. I want to be everybody's friend. I want people to like me. But I want Jesus to like me more. Right? And so, it's the word. You can argue with me, but I don't think you want to argue with the word. At least I've never won that argument. (laughs) And I quit arguing, by the way, some years ago. I said, yes, Lord, I got it. So, as the preacher of the word, we're to show people in what way their lives are wrong. And convince them, rebuking and correcting, warning and urging and encouraging them, being unflagging. Unflagging. That is uh, unrelenting. Without, um, inexhaustible. Inexhaustible, the very next word in the Amplified. In patience and teaching. To be patient being patient as people grow, loving them and looking past where they're at to where Jesus wants them to go, taking them on a journey. And when they fall down, hey, you can do this. I encourage you, you can get up. You can do this. You can do this. Jesus helps us. This is what we feed. This is why we feed the Word. Why? Because the word is the only thing powerful enough to cut deep enough to change you from the inside out. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verses 12 and 13. And the New International Version says this. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Change happens on the inside first. That's why the, when we take in the word, the word goes inside to make changes on the inside that eventually you see on the outside. I think I said this last week or maybe the week before. We make the mistakes as Christians to expect change the very moment that someone gives their life to Jesus and by the next Friday they should memorize the whole Bible and be walking in all of it. But that doesn't happen, right? That's why it requires patience, patience on our part as leaders and patience on the part of the person that begins to follow Christ. Because it's a journey. We discover what God has done in us. And we use the word to cut away the things. And those strongholds in our mind. To, to, to break down those strongholds. So that we look like him. Act like him. Speak like him. Talk like him. Walk like him. We reflect Jesus more than we did we, we did. Who we were last month, last year, if we're not constantly changing, guess what? We're going backwards. There's no neutral in God. There's no neutral. And so it's my job, Pastor Sheila's job, to push you, provoke you in a spiritual way to continue to grow. Are you growing? How do we, how do we push you with the Word? Because the Word is the only thing sharp enough to go deep enough to change you. That's why we feed the word. That's why this morning I had 17 scriptures and I'm telling everybody, hey, I've got 17 scriptures. we got to go fast. So I better go fast. Is, <laughs> is it possible to give the truth and to not offend people? No. When I When I see the life of Christ and how he ministered on the earth, no, Jesus, there were things that he said that offended people. Why? Because the truth exposes lies. And if you're believing something other than the truth, and when you hear the truth, it cuts. It hits a nerve. When it goes deep, it hits a nerve. And you have to do something with it. You have to do something with it. I could have added another scripture about the times that the Bible says, and there's more than one, where they gnashed at their teeth. It happened when they stoned Stephen. Right before they stoned Stephen, Stephen was just preaching a message. And they got so angry, they, they gnashed their teeth. They gritted their teeth together and stoned him and killed him because he was speaking the truth. So the truth, it cuts. And it will offend you if you don't allow it to cut out what it needs to cut out. You do feel it. You do feel it. And that's good that we do feel it. That should provoke us to say, or it should alert us to say, Lord, I'm going to stay on this surgical table here until you get everything out that you need to get out. Give me the word, the whole word and nothing but the word. Lord, let our pastor preach the word full strength. Don't, wa- don't uh, candy coat it. Water it down. Don't compromise it. Preach the word. Because I need to change it. I need to change fast. I don't have any time to waste. Going back to Psalm 23, I can lead a sheep to the green pastures but i can't make you eat i can lead you to the still waters but i can't make you drink i can serve up milk for the younger ones and meat for the older ones but you have to eat not just on sunday you have to get to a place of where you're eating daily because you need nourishment spiritual nourishment daily how often are you eating spiritually I can't go home with you and require you to eat three solid meals a day spiritually. We are, in, in about a month, we're changing our, our the way that we do our digital part of our church. And we're adding an app. So we'll have an app. And part of that app is going to be a, a reading schedule that we can read together so that we're reading all together, to encourage us to stay in the Word, stay in the Word, stay in the Word. There's reasons that people reject the truth. 2 Timothy 4, three, in the New Living Translation, We've we've said this many times lately because it's so evident in the days that we're living in. For a time is coming... The New Living Translation says this, for when the time, the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. This is the day that we're living in. And if I only say what pleases you, then you're going to stay comfortable and you'll never move to the next level spiritually. So don't be amazed if I say something, or Pastor Sheila and I say, when, when we say something, it, it gr- grates you the wrong way. We're challenging you to, to come up, to come out of that level that you're at, to, to rise up to the next level. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, New Living Translation. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. You guys got it? You've got it there in your Bible? Is it in your Bible like it's in my Bible? 1 Timothy 4 1? Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from true faith. I guess you heard this week, maybe some of you, if you recognize, you know, the Christians have our, we have our own little news network. And these emails that go flying around and they're, they're, they're broadcasting the Christian news. And the, a, a Christian singer recently said this week that he's been deconstructing his faith for, for decades So he's been looking to deconstruct his faith. That's a new term. And in case you haven't noticed, the the new terms always come from people who are using them in a way to get you to question how they're using them. And then this puts them in a place that's higher than you are. Right? If I create a new term and I use it in such a way that you don't know what I'm talking about, then I must be more intelligent than you are and this person now is, has been deconstructing his faith. Another way to say that, he's been turning his back on Jesus for the past years. And finally, he decided to go public with it. I'm deciding to not follow Christ. How about that? And people are attracted to that. I wonder why, I wonder why, I wonder why. Because he didn't stay in the Word. He went with his opinions. He went with his feelings. He started listening to people that are teaching doctrines of devils, deceptive spirits. And if you start listening to what sounds reasonable and goes in line with your feelings, then you'll get away from the word, right? Right? This is what's happening. It's not new. It shouldn't surprise us. But people put it in such a way and make such a spectacle out of it that, oh, and and the devil wants to magnify this news and say, look, how many Christians are exiting exiting Christianity? In fact, this particular guy, I'm not even going to call the name because I don't want to magnify the enemy. Not that this guy... Hear what I'm saying, what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that this guy is an enemy, but there's a deception behind it. Right. He's, he's not calling himself evangelical anymore. He's calling himself ex-evangelical to come away from Christianity. And that's the message that the enemy is using to stir up confusion. This is why you need a local pastor to talk about things like this. Right? This is going on. It's nothing new. It was prophesied that there's, there, there will be a falling away. How much more important is a local church that teaches the word? Teaching you can trust comes from a local pastor that you can trust. That teaches the word that you can trust. And so it all goes back to the word. People reject the truth because they're deceived because they're not walking in the truth that they received there was a pastor named James the uh, brother of Jesus half brother of Jesus who is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem that happened to write the book of James well actually John, I'm sorry, I've got James here but it was John, John There's a Pastor James, too, Pastor John, Pastor Timothy, Pastor Peter. But John said that there's no greater joy that I have than to know that my children walk in truth or walk in the light. And so we have to continually walk in the light. The second point of the responsibility of the pastor is to lead. So after you're fed and you're strong enough to walk and run and go somewhere, it's time to go somewhere and to do something. That's why in John 21, verse 16, Jesus told Peter to tend my sheep. The second time he said, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. And I said that the Greek word there means to take by the hand to guard. Again, Jesus is making this connection of pastoring because the pastor loves Jesus. To protect. So many scriptures about protection, like 2 Peter 2 1. But there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Matthew 7:15. watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. Matthew 24, 24, and 25, for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Jesus said, see, I've told you ahead of time. And then 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into this world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is a spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. That was written over 2,000 years ago. And so the deceptive spirits that have been operating for 2,000 years, they've adopted theories, adopted words, adopted worldviews, ideologies, we call them in today's language, ideologies and worldviews. And I've said this, and it, it bears repeating because people really don't get it. Pastor, are you really saying that this, this socialism and communism and this, this push to to divide America is is antichrist? Absolutely, antichrist. The Bible says, "What God has joined together, let no man pull it apart." There is an all out effort to divide, divide marriages. Divide. This is why the the BLM Inc., one of their statements was to, to divide the nuclear family. The racism. It's to divide. Divide the country. Divide the church. The enemy has used the vaccine and the mask as a way to divide our country guys it it ties all the way back to doctrines of devils we can't afford to to, to bury our head and just act like it's not existing we have to magnify the word we have to teach the word lead and guide by the word and say hey there's protection here there's protection here. We're not gullible. We're not going to buy all of this. There's protection. So that's part of the local church. is a place of protection where we can study the word and we can find out what the word says. Not just what sounds good. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 5. This is... The same Peter that said, hey, Jesus, I love you. Jesus said, if you do, feed my sheep. Jesus, I love you. If you do, tend my sheep. Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. This is the same person through the Holy Spirit that wrote this. This is in the Amplified Bible. I'm going to read it, verses 1 through 5. I warn, this is Peter The same one that heard from Jesus, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, take care of my sheep, preach, teach the word. I warn and counsel the elders among you, the pastors and spiritual guides of the church as a fellow elder and as an eyewitness called to testify of the sufferings of Christ as well as a sharer in the glory, the honor and splendor that is to be revealed, disclosed and unfolded, tend, here's that word tend again. Which means to nurture, guard, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility, not by coercion or constraint, but willingly, not dishonorably motivated by the advantages and profits belonging to the office, but eagerly and cheerfully. Not domineering as arrogant, dictatorial, and overbearing persons over those in your charge. And then, when the chief shepherd is revealed, wait a minute, I skipped over something very important. Not domineering as arrogant, if you'll back up, there there it is, verse 3. Not domineering as arrogant, dictatorial, uh, and overbearing persons over those in your charge, but being examples. Being examples. This is how pastors should lead, being examples. To be an example, patterns and models of Christian living to the flock, the congregation. And then when the chief shepherd is revealed, you will win the conqueror's crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank should be subject to the elders, the ministers and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant, so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance toward one another, for God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful, And he opposes and frustrates and defeats them, but he gives grace and favor, blessing to the humble. Remember who is writing this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was the same person that looked in the eyes of Jesus when Jesus told them three times, feed my sheep, tend to my sheep, nurture my sheep, guide my sheep, lead my sheep. To lead means to go first. It means to set the example. And here I'm going to ask you a really big question. Do you trust me and Pastor Sheila to love Jesus? Have you seen us loving Jesus? Can you identify that we love Jesus? Because again, that's what Jesus pointed to with Peter. Do what I'm asking you to do because you love me. Because you love me. Because you're in love with me. Because Jesus identifies with his body so much that a pastor cannot pastor without loving Jesus and loving the body. You remember when Paul, on the road to Damascus, came face to face with Jesus and he said, you're persecuting me, Paul because Paul was persecuting the church Jesus takes it very very personal when anyone hurts the church but he's given overseers and leaders we're an example and if you see that that we love God then follow that if you see that we love his word then follow that 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 is how you examine the heart of the pastor, do we love him are we feeding and tending what belongs to him 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 1 through 2 1 and 2 says i want you to pattern your lives after me this is where paul says follow me as i follow christ i thought it was interesting the passion translation it kind of brought a couple of more a couple of words in here Paul says, I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern mine after Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. and And I give you full credit for always keeping me in mind as you follow carefully the substance of my instructions that I've taught you. So you see the leader and you see those that are following. There's a responsibility on both. Right? If someone is leading you, you're responsible to follow. Hebrews 13, 7, 8, and 9 say, says this. Don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders. The Passion Translation. Don't forget the example of your spiritual leaders who have spoken God's message, messages to you. Take a close look at how their lives ended and then follow their walk of faith. Jesus, the anointed one, is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. Isn't that interesting? We, we take Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in, co- in context, it was, don't forget the example of those that lead you because it's God's messages to you that should guide you. Because Jesus doesn't change yesterday today, yesterday, today, and forever. So don't let anyone lead you astray with all sorts of novel and exotic teachings. More and more people want to hear exotic teachings. Who well, I've never heard that before. I'm the, that's something new. That's something brand new that, that God is just now introducing to the body of Christ. <laughs> it's... It's got to line up with the written word of God. Even the Bible says if an angel appears to you and preaches something else, don't believe the angel, right? This is why there's protection in a local church. This is why that there are leaders leading us in paths of righteousness for his namesake, sake, Right? Instruction by the word. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, for every scripture is God breathed, amplified version, given by inspiration and profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline, in obedience, and for training in righteousness, in holy living, in, in, in conformity to God's will in thought, purpose and action, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, well fitted and thoroughly equipped. For every good work. And this verse that's talking about the man of God. Means men and women of God. Not just pastors. Right? The word is good for all of us. To keep us. In. In line with God's will. And his purpose. There's. There's nothing better that we can give. And if it takes 17 scriptures and one message, I'm already, you know, let's say I've got a couple more. <laughs> Have you had enough yet? But I challenge you, take these scriptures and go back over them. And if, if, if anything that you get, see the responsibility that it, that it takes to lead and feed. And feed and lead and lead and feed and feed and lead and say, Lord, give a double portion to our pastors. Paul wasn't bashful for, for asking for prayer, right? We need, we need each other and we need prayer. We're going in the same direction. It's important that we go with the word and not just what sounds good in the world you know, this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about correction. When there's no correction, there's no change of direction. So if I see you walking off the cliff, isn't it my responsibility to, to warn you? You're, you're, you're about to step off. Or do you just want to walk off the cliff? It'd be better if there's correction. Somebody has to warn you. But if you don't want to hear the truth, then you're going to have a hard fall. There's a lot of people that have desired to be spiritual. And they come and they're like, man, I want to go deep. I want to go deep. And I hear it. I hear what they say. And pastor, you know, I'm so glad I found your church. And this other church I was going to, they just didn't go deep enough man, you, man, I like the word and i have got to go for the word and the word, we've we, we got to study the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the, we've got to get into you know etymology and hermeneutics but listen one word from God can change your life forever and it doesn't have to be deep Jesus just told the guys that were down there fishing, "Follow me and I'll make you fishers and men." How deep was that? He didn't say, "Oh, let, let me give you the definition for for follow." <laughs> Hold on. Before before you give up your career and before you leave your family and follow me, let me let me explain to you. Back in Exodus and the Tabernacle and go through all the furnishings in the tabernacle and show you how that points to me and if you're going the wrong way then the the first step in the right direction is pretty deep right I wanted to ask somebody and it wasn't anybody in here so take a deep breath people say pastor I just want to go deep I want to ask them well how, how deep are you uh, ha, are you obeying everything that the lord's told you to do <laughs> really <laughs> because in my, in my prayer time when 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 i'm like lord i i, I, need, I need a word and he says i love you whew, that can be pretty deep and somebody else hears that and they're like well you didn't know that the lord loves you no i needed that word <laughs> Right then, that was pretty deep. The word from God changes us. And that's what I want us to see. Any word from God, as simple as it may sound, it if it's deep, it, it makes a change. It changes our direction. And that's what we need. We need to follow him. Follow him. If I follow Jesus and I lead you, while I continue to follow Jesus, and you choose not to follow Jesus, that's on you. It's not on me. That's what we had to come to grips with early on in the ministry, that just because someone, someone fell, that didn't mean that we were failures as pastors. Here's a scripture for you, Romans 14, 12. This is the last scripture. This puts the responsibility where it should be, right here, as we end. Romans 14:12 says, Therefore, each one must answer for himself and give a personal account of his own life before God. I'm not responsible for you, but I am responsible to you as a leader you should see Jesus in me you should see my love for Christ you should see my passion for his word i can carry you i can pick you up but you know at at, at some point we have to, we're all responsible to do the word we all have to submit to God's authority submitting to God's authority and to his word That's how strong local churches are built. When we acknowledge that this is supreme, not what some other minister says, not how popular they are, not how long they've been going or what denomination they're from. Man-made things rise and fall. But Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. It's our responsibility to keep Lifeway Church on his word. Because when the storms come and the winds beat down, the rains, the floods, it'll be standing. If it's built on the word. And submitting to Jesus... And walking and following him. Obeying what he tells us to do. Not adding to it. But just do what he tells you to do. Not making it. Not putting fluff on it. Just do it. Obeying. Submitting to his authority. Responding to him. One last thought. How you respond to your pastor is how you respond to God. Had an encounter one time with one person that that was mad at me because I confronted them, and I checked my heart. I prayed. I had this counter encounter in love. I mean, I I said, Lord, it's because I love this person that I'm going to say these things. And when it came down to it, this person bucked up, if you know, understand what that means, they just bucked up, said, hey, no. See that line? No joke. See that line? You stay on your side, and I stay on my side. And I thought, wait a minute, you just you just drew a line and put me out of your life that as dangerous that's really dangerous we have to learn first to submit to God and then to submit to leadership in the body of Christ when we do that there is peace there's order and there's growth if if something isn't growing, in, in our relationships, we have to look at first how, how how are we submitted to God? Are we submitted to God? Or are we submitted to each other? Because like I said last week, and I made this distinction with using my wife as an example, she submitted to me as much as I'm submitted to God. If she sees Jesus in me and my love for him... There's, there's submission because we both love God. We're both serving God. Same thing in the local church. Let's submit to the Lord. Let's do his, do his will, do his word. We've got, we've got the work of the ministry to do. And he's empowering us to do that. I know this has been a real, even a, a, a heavy message. But I think it's good for us. It's good. It's good to understand. Lord, thank you for helping us to comprehend with our heart what you've shown us in your word. It's very evident, Lord, that our love for you should be the motive and the determination of of why why we do what we do. We desire, Father, to submit to you as as our head. Jesus, you are the head of Lifeway Church. And I submit to you. Therefore, I declare that there's an order in this body. Jesus, before the rest of Lifeway Church, if there's anything that I need to correct in thought, word, or deed, show me, change me. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I I work with you to do all that we need to do to bring forth more fruit, more abundant fruit, more eternal fruit. I thank you, Father, for doing a quick work in our church. We desire to see the harvest come into this place, and this is this is the very heart of this message, Lord. Prepare us for what you're preparing for us. Show us how to move together, grow together work together and reap the harvest together Lord we ask you individually right now what what would you have us to do to to feed more pray more receive your word more to to follow more quickly and closely to be sensitive to your plan and purpose for us. Jesus, I thank you for building your church. Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Let everything that we do for you be motivated and directed and guided by you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We hold your word up first place. In Jesus' name.